Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Thank you. 
Bibles to John chapter 15. We're in the series called The Branch Life, right? The Branch Life is our, our lifestyle brand. If you take on a lifestyle brand, it can be something that kind of sums up your life, the, the type of person you are, your identity. I gave you two examples from that last week. Harley Davidson, right? We, we all have friends that are Harley people. We just know they're rugged. They like to be out on the bike riding in the weather, you know, and everything like that. Uh, you know what a Harley person is. It just sums up who they are. We, we also said uh, salt life people. Those are people that, you know, maybe stuck in Ohio right now, but they're beach people in their hearts, right? They love to be on the beach. They, they live for that. And it just kind of sums up who they are. As Christians, though, we're called to be branch life people after John 15 is what we're, we're speaking of. John 15, uh, beginning at verse 1, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? 
says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that it would speak clearly into our hearts, Lord, as we prayed before the service. We pray that lives would be changed, that lives would be transformed to look more like you. And Father, we know that happens through your word, through your Holy Spirit. So you have right away, do as you wish, do whatever it takes, Lord, to accomplish that goal. Father, we want to look more like you, especially to this dark and dying world. Father, we know collectively that you call us to be light and salt. Father, let us be that. Lord, give us opportunities. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would ask you if you memorized your scripture verse, but I'll save that for next week. John 15, 5. John 15, 5, because we're running a little bit behind. Uh, let me read it, right? I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But what? Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So much good information in just that one verse. And I saw some of you lip reading along with it. So I know some of you did that. Um, There will be a quiz before you can get in church next week. So just remember that. But remember, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, right? In verse 1, he says, I'm the true vine, the source of everything for our lives. And we're called to be the branch, right? We're called to be connected to him. That is our focus. That's what we really talked about last week in week one. We need to focus on connection over production, right? As Americans, Our culture values production. What are you producing? What are you accomplishing? What are you doing? What are you building? What are you making, right? But we need to be focused in on connecting to Jesus Christ because that's where the real fruit comes. We can produce a fruit, but not an eternal, lasting fruit that only comes through him, right? This week, we're going to be looking at the gardener and what the gardener does. One of my favorite movies growing up was The Karate Kid. Anybody watch the original Karate Kid? All right. Not this garbage that's on today. I don't even know what that's called, Cobra Kai or whatever. I'm talking about the original one with Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. Um, there's a scene where Daniel comes into this room and Mr. Miyagi is, is pruning this miniature tree. Do you remember that, where he's pruning it? Daniel asks, are those real trees? Because they were so small. You know, it's just like this big if you haven't seen that, teens. Did they, did they show that in the new stuff? I don't know. But uh, um, 
Mr. Miyagi is like, yeah, I, I, I clip this, I, I trim this, I tie this here, and everything like that. And, and Daniel's pretty impressed. He thinks it's pretty cool. I think everybody that sees that little tree is pretty impressed, right? And Mr. Miyagi tells Daniel, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to envision a tree, right? And he, and he does this, and he says, you know, think only tree. And then he has him open, open his eyes, and he says, now create that tree with this little tree that he has before him. So the next 30 seconds shows Daniel just clipping this tree and, and molding it into the, the picture that he had of the perfect tree that was in his head. And, and while he's doing this, Daniel's mom comes in and he asks, she asks, what, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm trimming my baby, baby tree, right? And that's where Mr. Miyagi says, no, these are bonsai trees. And we, the whole world learns what a, a bonsai tree is. If you do a little research on bonsai trees, you find out that um, bonsai trees are really a form of art. That's what they are. Um, there was a bonsai tree that sold for $1.3 million. Lydia, keep that in mind. $1.3 million. It, it's art, but it's different than normal art, right? It's not like a canvas that gets hung on the wall. This is something that needs to be uh, molded, shaped, right? Nourished. You can't just hang it there and not do anything with it. It's got to be continually fed and continually trimmed and pruned and, and, and all those things to keep it and make it into what the artist has in mind, right? The continued trimming and pruning has a purpose. That's what we need to remember today. It makes the bonsai tree into what the artist has in mind. Well, John 15, 1, let's remember the context of this passage, right? Jesus says this to his closest followers the, the night before he would be crucified. So we know it's extremely important. And he says, I am the true vine, right? You're not the vine. They were taught in Israel that they were the vine, but they failed at doing that job. So Jesus comes to them and says, I am the true vine. In me, you're going to find what you need for life, and only in me, not in anything else. And then he says in verse 2, um, or the end of that, he says, and my father is the gardener. My father is the one who's going to work on you, Right? Now, verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now, in every translation I've read, it's always the same thing. He cuts off or he takes away every branch that bears no fruit. So we had this picture of this gardener coming and, and, and seeing these branches that have no fruit on them, and then he, he cuts them off or he takes them away. It, it's not good, right, if our life is not bearing fruit, producing fruit if we aren't growing, if we aren't impacting the kingdom. This seems to imply that we'll be cut off, right, and taken away. Uh, it, we know a faith without works is dead. We know we're saved by faith, but one of the indicators whether or not our faith is real is are there works that accompany it. James 2, 14 and 17 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if somebody claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That should cause us some pause. Is there fruit, right? If there's no fruit, it, it could be a sign that there's no faith. 
And that's why the gardener comes and cuts off that branch and takes away those branches. Like I said, that should be a warning. That should be something that we're evaluating our lives right now. Am I growing? Is there fruit in my life? The fruit of the Spirit, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, right? But is there lasting fruit that is being produced by God through me? Verse 2, I'd like to offer you, though, another thought for the word that is translated cut off. The, the Greek word is the word arrow. And if you look and see how it's translated, you can see it's translated two or three ways. The, the primary way is cut off or take away. The secondary way, though, is it is picks up. In John uh, 5, verse 8, Jesus tells a paralyzed man to stand up and arrow your mat. It's translated, pick up your mat. In John 8, when the religious leaders are angry with Jesus and they want to stone him, it says that the religious leaders arrow stones, translated, pick up stones to throw at Jesus. So the the passage that we read, does it mean he cuts off the branch or does it mean he picks up the branch? In verse 6, it's clear. It says, if you don't remain in me, those people who are not connected, right, you're like a a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's pretty clear, right? But notice, those branches aren't connected. So I get that. But what about the branches that are connected? Uh, In his book, Secrets of the Vine, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson has a conversation with a vineyard owner from Northern California who says this, and I think we have the quote, new branches have a, maybe not, new branches have a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground, but they don't bear fruit down there. When branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated in dust. When it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. The branches become sick and useless. Still connected, but down in the mud, right? Not producing any fruit. Dr. Wilkinson, thinking about John 15, 2, asks the vineyard, what do you do? Do you just cut those off and throw them away? And the vineyard owner says, oh no, the vineyard, uh, the branch is much too valuable for that. We go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for those branches. We lift them up and wash them off. Then we wrap them around the trellis or tie them up. Pretty soon they're thriving. I thought this was cool. Verse 2, I personally believe, is, is talking about people that are connected to the vine. And they're either producing fruit or not producing fruit, right? There's two different types of people. One's mature and one's immature, and a gardener treats them differently. If what Dr. Wilkinson says is right, then the one that doesn't produce fruit, right, there's an attempt by the gardener to lift that person up and get you connected to some kind of support system, right? If you, if you know Christ, but you don't see the fruit, then let's let the gardener pick us up, right? Let's let the gardener get us out of the mud. What areas might you be in the mud, right? What, what old lifestyle might you be stuck in that you need to be pulled out of so that you can start to thrive? If God is the God who sees you in the dirt and picks you up, then shouldn't we be the people that are holding out our arms and asking him to do just that, right? Don't refuse them. No fruit in your life? Please. Think of this as a wake-up call, right? 
Think of this as a wake-up call. We need to lift our hands up and surrender our lives to him completely so that he can produce that fruit through us. The alternative is to be disconnected, to be thrown away and burned, right? That's a scary thought. Now, here's why I love this metaphor, this idea of this vineyard, right? A gardener picks up the branch, washes it, gets the dirt off, right? And then in those days, there wasn't much of a trellis system. So what would people do in the olden days with these gardens? They would, they would take that vine, that new branch that's in the mud, and they would wrap it around a stronger branch up above. They would intertwine it with another more mature branch, Right? What's that a picture of? That's the church. That's what we're about, right? If you're, if you're like me, you remember the days of being in the mud and not producing fruit. But if you're also like me, you remember the day that you got cut, tied into a church, tied in with some other mature believers, and they helped supported you and picked you up out of that mud and showed you how to live, how to thrive, how to follow Jesus Christ, Right? What a privilege we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Some of you might be in the mud. Allow yourself to be picked up and intertwined with some other mature believers, right? Some of you might be those mature believers, and guess what? You have an awesome responsibility to intertwine your lives, to let somebody else's life be intertwined with yours and help them grow, right? Help them thrive, can I tell you, you weren't created to live this life alone. The Bible tells us that he gave us a family, right? A church family to do this. The, the branch life is about being connected week one, but it's also about being intertwined week two and connected to each other and lifting and supporting each other, right? That's all the one another's that you find in the Bible. Love one another, right? Carry each other's burdens. There's amazing things that we're, we get to do as part of the body of Christ. All right, that, that's the branches not producing fruit. What about the ones producing fruit? Well, that's the rest of verse 2. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit, right? He prunes. He prunes with a, a purpose. Are you okay with being pruned? I think that's in our nature to be okay with just a little off the top, right? You ever got a haircut? Just a little off the top. Nothing, nothing big, nothing over the top, right? Are we okay, with, though, when the big cuts come? Whew. I'm looking around and thinking of some big cuts that people have experienced, right? Dr. Leonard Perry, who's a botanist at the University of Vermont, he talks about the biggest mistake beginning growers make is not pruning enough, not pruning plants enough. He says between 70 to 90% of the plant should be pruned away. 70 to 90% of the previous growth should be removed. Years ago, my wife pruned a rose bush, and I was like, you killed that thing. You absolutely killed it because she took it down about 90%. Right, And I knew that thing was not coming back. Guess what, though? It came back better than ever. Right? So the question is, what's the picture? You ever wonder that? Right? What do I mean? What's the picture of you that the gardener, our father, has? What does he have for you? What does he have in mind when he's pruning you? Are, are you going to be okay with the 70 to 90% coming off? 
Or are you going to say, just a little bit, just, just this one area, but not these other areas, right? I think a couple pruning principles are going to be helpful for us as we're looking at this. Here's, what, here's one. Pruning feels painful, but it's not punishment, okay? Pruning feels painful, but it's not always punishment. We, we tend to think that anything that is happening to us that is uh, against our will is, and, and is painful, we tend to think of that as punishment, and if we see pruning as punishment, though, we'll either resist it or refuse it, right? No, thank you. I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. It's in our human nature. Uh, that's how we naturally look at hardship or struggle, right? We see it as punishment. But, but what can God bring about through it? That's a good question, right? I went through a big pruning in my life for two years, and I lost most of my friends. I lost a lot of the people that I cared about. I was financially hit in a big way, right? And it hurt. It was painful. A lot of lonely times, right? But when I compare the life before I was pruned to the life after I was pruned, man, what a difference that made. Praise God, right? The fruit that was not happening before compared to seeing what God was doing, how he was changing me, how he was molding me, and what he was doing, what I got to be a part of through him, man, I wouldn't change that pruning period of two years for nothing. It changed my life. It set me up, right? And I've been through other pruning processes since then. What needs to be pruned from your life? Right? Is there any dead and diseased stuff that's hanging on? Toxic relationships. Right? We pray and we hope that our kids don't have any toxic relationships. What about hurtful habits? Things that have begun to infect the branch. What, what diseases are you letting in? What diseases are you inviting in by, by what you watch, by what you listen to, by your attitudes? Right? You, you got to allow the gardener to cut that off. You got to ask the gardener to cut those things off. Surrender your life to him completely. No holds, right? Not just a little off the top. You cut what you need to. 70%, 90%, you do whatever it takes, Lord, in order to make me into the person that you're creating me to be, right? How many of us struggle with the disease of unforgiveness? I see people, that dead branch is tied to that person, and they have no freedom. It is dragging them literally to hell because they can't let go of that. What stuff do you have in your life that needs to be let go of, that needs to be cut away, that needs to be removed, right? There are several ways that he uses to prune the dead and the diseased parts of our life. One is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're reading it in the Word, and the Holy Spirit makes us aware of something that needs to go, something that we didn't see before, but now we do. And he says, drop it, let it go, let me remove it, right? We're convicted, we know something has to go. That, that's one way that he prunes us. It's a choice, though, whether or not we allow it. Another way that God prunes those dead and designed uh, diseased parts is he doesn't allow you to get away with it anymore. He brings what is in the darkness into the light. And that's a tough period, 
right, where, where maybe a text is discovered or maybe a, a, a hidden secret comes out, right? Um, maybe an idol gets uncovered or lies are found out. A third way he prunes the dying and diseased parts is through hard conversations from brothers and sisters, right? Hard conversations. I've been on both ends of these and they stink either side. I don't like getting them. I don't like giving them. They're just uncomfortable, right? But somebody cared enough to reach out to me and point out some things that maybe need to go. Or maybe you cared enough to say something to somebody else. My dental hygienist. I don't like her. <laughs> Last visit, just recently. She let me have it. This was like, I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Um, normally, I, I've had three or four dental hygienists over the last decade, and they all would casually say, you need to floss. You need to floss. I hate flossing. Absolutely hate flossing. Does anybody like to floss? Two, three. All right, good. Uh, this newer one, though, this was like my third visit with her. And like I said, she let me have it. She was like, you need to floss. And then she flossed my teeth, and she goes, see how hard it is? It's really easy. This is all you do. And she, she went out. I, I came home from that, and I, and I literally said I had the floss Nazi for my <laughs> hygienist. I got to thinking, though, I know what it's like to be in her shoes, right? Telling somebody they need to floss because it's good for them but they ain't going to floss, right? We've probably all spiritually been told we need to floss some things. And we probably all spiritually said, mind your own business, you know? I remember a hard conversation that I had with a, a young teen on fire. I thought this kid was called for the ministry. And he started to date this girl who did not know Christ, was very anti-Christ, and I saw this relationship, and I told him, don't do it. Don't do it. And I saw this person just leave. And I don't know where this person is at right now in their walk, but I don't think it's good. Those are the floss stories, right? Maybe you've had some floss stories. Maybe you can look back and say, you know what? That might have been a tough conversation, but I think they were doing it to help me out. Have those types of conversations right, with other people. They're uncomfortable, they're difficult, yeah. But when I see the floss Nazi, like, I started flossing my teeth. Like, and now I love flossing my teeth. You people who raise your hands, I love flossing my teeth. I got the, the two floss things, the little things. I got these little picks that you stick in the corners of your teeth. It's great. And now I do it, like, every day. I can't wait to go back to her and say, I listened, I did it, and it's great. Thank you, right? Because how many people does she probably say that to and they don't do that? Have you ever heard something in your life that needs to be pruned and you rejected it? Please be careful, right? That should be a wake-up call to us all. Don't resist the pruning. Our human nature is to counterattack, is to swing back. Mind your own business, right? Don't tell me what to do. But I'm sure it's coming from a place of love and care. And if it's coming from Jesus, we, we know that's definitely the case. So we need to listen and take him up on that, right? All right. So what is, uh, what is the dead and disease that needs to go in your life? 
Think about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that. Another category of, of um, branches that need to be pruned from our life are what we call sucker branches, right? A sucker branches is one that attached right near the, the vine at the base, you know, um, and all that thing does is steal nutrients. Doesn't produce any fruit, doesn't do anything good, right? It just is there to steal those nutrients. It steals the strength that we need that should be, using, be used to, to bear fruit, right? And it takes it for itself. What are those things in your life? Those things might not be anything bad. Those things might not be anything evil or necessarily wrong, but they're distracting. They're draining. They're, they're taking things away that, from our energy and our attention that should be moved in a different direction, right? I, I could name off 10 sucker branches in my life, but... I'm not going to. Let's talk about you, right? What, what are the sucker branches in your life? I think news and politics can be a huge sucker branch. News and politics aren't bad. They're good. They're good to keep up with. But they can be something that people just get absolutely fanatical about, and they consume their lives, and they look to news and, and politics as the source of their hope as their source of their purpose, their, their, their reason for living, right? Not necessarily bad news and politics, keeping up with it. But if you're consumed by it, that's a sucker branch. If it gets in the way of you kneeling down before Jesus Christ, it needs to go, whatever that is, right? Um, what other areas? Anything that's preventing you from kneeling down at the feet of Jesus Christ, right? Having that quiet time. It's a sucker branch. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's church stuff, right? You can be involved in too much church stuff, looking for peace and happiness through production, what you're doing instead of connection. This is Mary versus Martha, right? Martha constantly focusing on what she needed to do to serve, but she was missing out on the opportunity to be at Jesus Christ's feet. Be careful with that. As Americans... We want to produce. We want to do that. We want to see what we can accomplish. But if we neglect the relationship, that needs to go, right? Needs to be pulled back. Needs to be affected, pruned back, right? What's sucking all of your time and attention? What what are you too busy doing that you don't have time for Christ, right? What what do you think about every chance that you get, every waking moment, as soon as you wake up, as soon as you go to bed at night, you know, what's on your mind? What 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 are you focusing in on? Be careful with that. Third type. Third type of branch, and this one's a little confusing, I think, for for many of us, but the third kind of branch that needs to be produced is the healthy branches. The healthy branches, right? The, the branches that are already producing fruit need to be pruned. Why? Because you're cutting away something good for something better, for something that will even produce more fruit, right? This is, the, the, I think, the type of pruning that can be uh, especially difficult. Like, it's obvious to get rid of the dead. It's obvious to get rid of the sucker branch, the disease stuff. But the healthy branches need to get pruned. It's the pruning that Jesus was talking about. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So even though it's healthy, even though it's bearing fruit, right, there's something better. 
Sometimes when this happens, it throws us for a loop or we don't really get it. Like you think something is good in your life, it is God's will, but he calls you away to something else. That might be part of the pruning process, right? Maybe God is pruning you. Here, here's what I want to be careful. You know, he, you may think you're dating the person that you're going to marry, but God takes that person out of your life. You know, that might be a pruning job going on. Not that that's always the case or anything like that. You know, I want to be careful with that. I'm not saying that God's pruning you because he's got somebody better. I'm saying he's pruning you because he wants your life to produce more fruit. Amen. Right? Not that he has a, a better person in mind or a better job in mind. He wants your life to produce fruit. He prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. And this is to the glory of God the Father. Right? Um, this is when it gets really difficult sometimes to trust the gardener. But he's God. And he knows it all. And we have to do that. It might not make sense, but be patient and wait and see. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas, I was thinking about this, right? Very successful missionary team that suffered a painful split. Do you remember that? They had a disagreement. They got split apart, right? Breaking up the the best missionary team in the history of the church at that time, right? What happened after that, though? Paul took Silas. Barnabas took Mark. And they went off in two directions. That one team that was doing great got split up into two teams that were doing great. And even more fruit came about. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, we're producing fruit, but maybe something's going to happen and now we're going to be producing twice the fruit. This is where we have to trust the gardener and what he's doing through these situations, right? I want to end with this. Is God trying to prune anything in your life or does he want to? Please don't resist it or reject it. Please accept it, right? Recognize it. Sometimes we miss the obvious. I, I know a guy that was knocked on his butt, taken out from what he was doing, and uh, it produced an amazing change in his life through that. That change wouldn't have happened unless God would have pruned something away. My friends, we, we were all pruned in 2020, covid we were all pruned, but we're just right back at it completely. We're right back in the saddle, you know. If God is pruning something out of your life, don't let it be wasted. Recognize it. Accept it, right? Grow from it, right? Please don't see pruning as something that's punishment. It, it might be painful, but it's going to be for our good, right? And through it, let's pray that there's more fruit, that needs to be the, the challenge for us. Um, and here, here's my challenge that I really want to end, you, end with. If pruning is good, if pruning can lead to more fruit, then let's ask for it. Let's ask and pray that God prunes some of the bad stuff, some of the dead and diseased stuff, but let's pray he prunes some of the healthy branches so that it produces even more. That's a bold prayer. That's a scary prayer. But can we do that? 
Can, can we have our quiet time this week and be like, Lord, what needs, what needs to go? What needs to be pruned out of my life? What habit, what unhealthy habit, what am I doing that's sucking everything away, that's preventing me from following you completely, right? What, Lord, would you reveal that to me, whatever's getting in the way, and would you just take it away? Uh, you may have prayed for some things to be taken away, but keep praying for those things to take, be taken away. That, that thing that you're struggling with, ask him to remove it, and keep asking him until it happens. And grab some other people around you and ask them to pray with you on those things. Will you do that? Stand with me. When the pruning comes, don't just... Or when the pruning needs to come, right? Let's not have an attitude of, we want to refuse it, we want to reject it, or maybe we want to accept it, or maybe we just want to tolerate it. And let's seek it out so that we can grow, so that we can produce more, right? I asked you, what picture does he have in mind when he's pruning you? The answer we all know. It's a picture of Jesus Christ, right? Are you there yet? I'm not. So our lives need to be pruned. Let's seek that out. Let's ask for it, whatever way he sees fit. I, I want to finish up with a prayer, and I just want you to join me maybe in that prayer, and I want you to lay some things down, whatever he puts on your heart. And let's just go to him right now and ask him to prune some stuff away from our lives. God, we, we know that there's some dead and diseased stuff, branches that need to go. Maybe, Lord, an addiction, maybe something that need, we need help with. Maybe a, a, a toxic relationship. Maybe one that's a relationship that's not honoring you. Maybe it's something that we're doing in secret. Lord, that you need to pull into the light. God, whatever it takes, would you do just that? Father, if there's thought patterns, Lord, that we're allowing to go unchecked in our lives, Lord, would you remove those? Father, if there's some things that we're giving our eyes to and our attention to that have stunted our growth, that you want to see removed, Lord, would you help us to surrender to those areas as well? Lord, is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness? Is there something poisoning the branch, Lord? Father, would you give us a, a real view of how damaging these things are to hold on to? Lord, would you show us how they are preventing us from being fully connected to you? Lord, Father, remove this bitterness. Lord, would you help us to forgive people in whatever way you might be calling us to? Would you repair relationships? Father, is there somebody in here that we need to give grace to? Is there an offense that's been done to us that we need to overlook? Is there some anger that needs to be released? Lord, would you accomplish that? Lord, do we need to prune some voices in our lives? Would you just reveal to us those voices that we need to stop listening to? Father, if there's fear or insecurities coming our way that are holding us back from bearing the fruit that you want to see us growing, would you remove those as well? God, are there some good things in our schedule that just need to be pruned back so that we can be available for better things? Some areas that you're wanting us to grow in. 
Are there some good things that need to be taken off? Lord, would you pry them from our white-knuckled grip, Lord, so that we can be who you are making us into be? Lord, we also recognize in this moment there are some people who are listening to this, and they're in the mud. They're on the ground, and they need to be picked up. Father, I pray that this is a time that they're reaching up right now, asking for you to pick them up. And Father, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would surround them by, with some mature believers that would intertwine their lives and theirs, Lord. Father, would you lay somebody on our heart that, that we need to reach out to, that we need to mentor, Lord, and would you give us opportunities for that? God, I know that all of us have some branches that need to be pruned, and, and this is a pruning season, Lord. So, Father, would you come in? Would you remove what's dead and diseased? Would you remove those sucker branches that are stealing our attention and our affection from you and keeping us from connecting to you in the way that you've called us to? Father, would you, would you even prove the, prune the healthy branches so that better can come? And, Father, would you give us the faith to trust you in this process? Lord, we know you are the good gardener and you have what's best in mind for us. Father, help us to surrender that to that, Lord, and give you praise. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.